Good morning, Gospel Life, and all of those who are joining us online. We're so excited that you have come to study God's Word with us as we gather together as God's people virtually to study God's Word, and specifically in the book of Colossians, uh, where we're looking at a call to live all of life in thankfulness to God. And today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, uh, the end of verse 23. And so if you want to turn there, uh, we're going to read it together, starting in verse 21. We'll read a little bit of the context and get down to verse 23. But as you're turning there, I just wanted to share that here at, at Gospel Life Church, our desire is to exalt Jesus Christ. And our mission here is to gather for the gospel, grow in the gospel, and give out the gospel for God's glory. We're committed to the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. And so as you, if you've joined us on other sermons here online, you've seen that we go to the text, we're looking into the text, we want to hear from God through His Word. And so that's our, that's our desire, that's our purpose, that's our mission, and uh, we thank you so much for joining with us this morning. So let's go ahead and look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. We read there, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Today we're going to be focusing on the last half of verse 23, and our focus is you are to live in thankfulness to God because the gospel is proclaimed. And what we looked at last week that God as creator, and we see that in the verses previously that Jesus as, as part of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, created all things and they were created by him and they were created for him. And yet mankind, humanity in its sinfulness rebelled against God, turned away from their creator. We became alienated and hostile in our minds doing evil as we read in verse 21. Yet in God's love and mercy and grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. He became a man, truly God, truly man, so that he might live the perfect life we could not live in our sin, so that he might die on a cross to take the punishment for our sin, and in turn, to present us wholly blameless and above reproach. And that's, that's the gospel, including the response that we have to it which is to turn from our sins in repentance and in faith, trust in him. And that's what we read there in verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, the faith of the gospel, trusting in what Jesus Christ has done for you, and he alone is the only one who can do it. That's why we say that we are saved by grace alone. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. God rather poured out his grace upon us, undeserved. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone. We're trusting in the work of Jesus Christ, not in our own works. We have no works that can save us, that can make us right with God. Rather, we trust in the work of Jesus Christ. So we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. He is the only one who could save us. Being truly God, he was perfect, sinless, the sinless lamb who gave himself as a sacrifice for all who would trust 
in him. So that's our hope today as we look into this last part of the verse to, to see how this, this glorious gospel being proclaimed is something that we should overflow in thankfulness for. Before we, before we get into the rest of our sermon, let's pray and ask God's blessing. Father, we come and we thank you so much for the grace that has been given to us. Even, even in this time where we still continue to have some uncertainty, yet you are clear and you are firm and you are certain the foundation cannot be shaken, which has been laid and which is Jesus Christ. And if we stand upon him, what can we fear? What should we fear? Nothing for our hope is in Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. And so I pray that that would be our hope as Christians and that we would be able to shine that hope, that light of hope to uh, those around us in this time. Lord, use, use our church as a beacon of hope during this time. But not only us, but we pray for Bible Baptist Church of Romeoville and Pastor Kip there, that you would continue to use them as a light of the gospel and of the hope of the gospel and of the love of Jesus Christ as they meet together, uh, whatever form that that takes, um, and study your word, that you would get, bless them in that time. Also, First Baptist Church of Bolingbrook and Pastor Vaughn, and we pray for their church as they gather around the word, and whatever form it takes, that you would use that word to strengthen them and encourage them, and in turn, to that they would be a light of the gospel to those around them. We're so thankful for these churches that serve in our area, and these pastors who are so faithful we also pray for New Life Church in Lubumbashi, where missionaries, uh, Seth and Darla, Curtis, and their family serve. Lord, we pray for their, their church right now as, as their country is seeking to, seeking to resolve how to deal with this virus. And so safety issues, lack of food, a lack of fellowship because they don't have the same kind of technology that we have or access to the internet like we do. We pray for their testimony as a church that they would demonstrate the love of Christ and the hope of the gospel there. Uh, we pray for the Curtis family and their safety and specifically their furlough plans. Lord, as they had plans to come back uh, this year uh, to the United States and now with, with this coronavirus, they, they have to readjust their plans to so give them wisdom Give them wisdom in leading the church through this time and also for for uh, Pastor Teo uh, as they go through uh, how to fellowship in, in light of this and, and some of the restrictions that have been placed, that you would just give grace to them. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity now to look into your word. We pray that you would use, use our time to bring glory to your name. Lord, let us see the glorious truths in your word, and let us be changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, our main point for this morning is this. You are to live in thankfulness to God because the gospel is proclaimed, and that is gloriously good. And today we're going to look at the three aspects here within this text of how the, the gospel is being referred to by Paul as he writes to uh, the Colossian church and, and asks three questions. So why is he pointing to this specific gospel in this specific way? So first of all, the gospel heard by you. We see that there, this is the hope of the gospel that you heard. 
Specifically, you, the, the church in Colossae, you have heard this gospel. Now, the, the reason why he points to this is, first of all, that this gospel is the same one believed by the Colossian church. This is the very gospel that they have staked their eternal life upon and that they have entrusted their temporal life to. And so Paul is saying that this gospel is the, the same one that the Colossian church has heard already. Now, Paul has never visited the church in Colossae, and yet we read in the very uh, first few verses of the text here, in verses 5 through 7, that a faithful minister, just like Paul is a faithful minister, so another faithful minister, Epaphras, came to Colossae and preached the gospel. We read in verse the second half of verse 5, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Here, Paul reminds them that the very gospel he is preaching to them, this, this being called out of the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the beloved Son, this Son who is the creator of all things, who is also the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, who has risen and, and, and is worthy of uh, our faith being placed in him, who, who came to reconcile us who were alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. This, this gospel is the same one that they have heard and trusted in. It's the gospel that uh, needs to be spread throughout the world in what we call evangelism. Evangelism is the, the teaching or the, the proclaiming or the preaching or the heralding of the gospel, the message of God that leads to salvation with the aim, with the hope, with the goal to persuade, to convince and convert people. That's what evangelism is, this teaching of the gospel with the aim to persuade. And get that from J. Max Stiles' book, Evangelism, How the Whole Church Speaks of Jesus. And because of the evangelism that Epaphras did, so then the church at Colossae was formed because people heard the gospel he preached, trusted in it, put their faith in it. In fact, we're told that very thing. Verse 4, Paul has heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. This gospel is the same one that is believed by the Colossian church. And in turn, this gospel, though, is not the Colossian church's gospel, but God's gospel. Everyone who will be saved must hear the gospel, just like the believers of the Colossian church. And just like the believers of Gospel Life Church, and just like believers anywhere. Believers are people who were once alienated and hostile, and yet someone came and evangelized them. Someone 
came and brought the gospel to them, taught them the gospel, proclaimed the gospel with the aim of persuading them, of them being converted to it, of them putting their trust in it. In turn, we can say that the church itself does not and cannot save anyone. When we're saying that this gospel is not the Colossian church's gospel, but God's gospel, we're saying that the gospel is not an establishment gospel. It's not an organization gospel. You can't join a church or participate in a religious organization and, and that in and of itself save you. Now, we hope that the Colossian church went on to preach this gospel. And therefore, if you encountered the, the Colossian church and the members of that church, believers in that church, that you would hear the gospel and the, the potentialness of you being saved would occur. And the same thing is true here at Gospel Life Church. Our hope is that people who interact with the believers in our church, the members of our church, people who, who come to meetings, people who come online and hear our sermons, that they would hear the gospel. And our aim is that they would be converted and they would trust in it so that they might have eternal salvation. But if you were just to associate yourself with a church, that in and of itself cannot save you. It will not save you. In fact, association with a church is not even a part of the gospel that saves. The gospel that saves is a repentance from sin and a trusting in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul says that it is the hearing of this gospel in Romans 10 that brings people to salvation. When he says in verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the gospel that the Colossian church heard, and it is God's gospel sent to them by this faithful messenger, Epaphras, bringing it to them so that they might hear and they might call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The question number two is this, why the gospel ministered by Paul? So why the gospel heard by the Colossian church, and then why the gospel ministered by Paul. Well, he says this in order to affirm that this is the same gospel that Paul himself proclaims. As an apostle appointed by Jesus to spread the gospel, and we see this at the very beginning of Colossians in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, he is sent by God, commanded by God. Often in other letters, he even writes that. So as a servant of God, as commanded by God, he has been made an apostle to take the gospel to um, all the ends of the earth. And so this is the very same gospel that Paul himself proclaims. And yet, as we look at how he describes it, we see it there at the end of the verse, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We have to recognize this term minister is important. It's meant to help us understand, just the same way as Epaphras is called a faithful minister, 
that they did not originate the biblical gospel. Paul is not the originator of the biblical gospel. He is merely a minister. He is merely an apostle sent by God himself, by God's will. The word minister here in the Greek is a person who renders service. It's a it's servant. And so he is a servant of or in service to the gospel. He is just an instrument in the hand of God meant to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, which in turn means that this gospel is not Paul's gospel, but God's gospel. I mean, in a sense, it's, it's the gospel that Paul preaches. It's the gospel that Paul puts his faith in. So then in that sense, it's Paul's gospel. But in another sense, it's he did not originate it. This is not his, his story being told, but rather this is, this is God's good news. This is God's story. This is God's gospel. And, and we're meant to understand just like, just like how it's not the Colossian church's gospel, and therefore we should reject an, an establishment or organizational type of gospel that, that equates joining a church with being saved. So we must understand that it's not a persona gospel or personality gospel. So it's not a Jim Jones kind of thing or David Koresh or anything like that where we're meant to find this man who seems so spiritual and now will buy into anything he says. No, this is not a gospel based upon persona or personality. Paul is not winning people to himself. In fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians, when the church in Corinth is struggling with uh, with following different men. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus Christ. And, and they're, they're, they're breaking up into these divisive units saying, I follow these people. And Paul's like, that's not, that's not right. That's not part of the gospel. And then he goes on to say, I am glad I didn't baptize any of you. Well, maybe some of Stephen's family, but other than that, I didn't baptize any of you. And I'm glad of that because I'm I'm not converting you to me. We, the gospel is a call to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the only hope. I mean, that's what the gospel call is. And so therefore, it's not a persona gospel. It's not a personality gospel. You're not meant to follow any one man. You're meant to follow the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. And that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to the same church, he says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. In fact, we can read in a number of passages how committed Paul is to the one true biblical gospel. And when he's writing to the church in Galatia, he writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel, contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So he goes to say, even if I begin to teach you another gospel, if Paul starts teaching another gospel than the one that has been proclaimed, then Paul should be rejected. 2 Corinthians 11, For I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to whom? To Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we have proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you've received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you've accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He goes on to say, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. In 1 Corinthians 16, he reminds them, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed, our Lord come. Or 1 Corinthians 12, Therefore I want, to, want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Or the Apostle John himself takes up the same theme by saying in John, 1 John chapter 4, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And, and it's meant to convey this, this idea of Jesus as Lord or Jesus in the flesh, that all of who Jesus is, that Jesus is truly the Messiah who is sent by God, the second person of the Trinity, come to earth to live this perfect life, to die on a cross, that it's encompassing all of that, to rise again from the dead. Every spirit that confesses the, the historical reality of Jesus Christ in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Or in 1 John 2, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son, and no one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Or as he writes in 2 John uh, verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Or verse 9 through 11 then says, And anyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. 
this gospel that Paul preaches is not Paul's gospel, it's God's gospel. And it encompasses all of history as God has spoken throughout history through his word. And now we have the word of God. What do we do? We sit under its authority. It is sufficient to, to give to us the gospel and, and to call us to live out a life that follows Jesus Christ. We submit ourselves to God's truth, to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And anyone who would go outside of the teachings of Jesus Christ is to be rejected. Anyone who preaches a gospel that goes outside of the truths of God's word, taken rightly and seriously, is to be rejected. We have a gospel that has been proclaimed to us. And we are called then to be faithful ministers of that gospel, the one true gospel. Just like Paul, just like Epaphras. That is our commitment as believers to hold to this gospel, the gospel that God has revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And then number three, why the gospel proclaimed in all creation? Notice it says it's the hope of the gospel that you've heard. It's the hope of the gospel of which I, Paul, became a minister. But right in between that, what does it say? It's the hope of the gospel which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Here, what he's intending to say is this gospel is the same one that saves anyone anywhere. This gospel is a universal gospel. It's the one true universal gospel that can save sinners. It's meant to go to all the ends of the earth. Which is my second point. God's gospel is the one universal gospel that truly saves sinners. Um, other theological terminologies that are used here, um, it's called the gospel call or the external call. And we're saying that it's universal, but we're not saying we're not saying we ascribe to universalism. To say it's universal means that this gospel is, is the one gospel meant for everyone anywhere. But universalism says that everyone will be saved no matter what, whether they hear the gospel or not, whether they, um, whether they uh, affirm the gospel or not, whether they put their faith in Jesus Christ or not. Universalism says that all will be saved. Well, we reject that. Why? Because we read that the right response of the gospel is to repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ. Each one of us personally must put our faith in Jesus Christ. So again, we reject that, that establishment gospel as if, you know, if my children are born into the church, they're somehow saved. Well, that's not true. That's not the gospel that's presented to us in Scripture. Rather, I'm, I'm meant to share the gospel with my kids, with anyone, and in turn call them to repentance and faith. That, that this personal response to the gospel is necessary for each individual. And yet the gospel is given as this gospel that, that can save anyone. 
And that's the glorious aspect of the gospel. It doesn't matter how alienated you are. It doesn't matter how hostile in mind you are. It doesn't matter how much evil deeds you have done. This gospel is able to save you. If you would turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, it is able to save. Because this is the gospel that's able to save anyone, anywhere. It's universal in that sense. Back in Romans 10, what we read earlier, we see it says there, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. So they needed to hear the gospel in order to be saved. Someone needed to go preach to them. But then in turn, Paul says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. And what is the call of gospel obedience is to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Or as Hebrews 4 says, Verse 2, for good news, and that's what the gospel is. The word gospel really is transliterated, and uh, the, the word means good news. For good news came to us just as to them in the Old Testament. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. We find, um, we find this, this glorious gospel hope of being delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred in the kingdom of the beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, our, our, our alienated, hostile mind and doing of evil deeds has now been reconciled by his body of flesh, by his death. All that occurs. Why? Because we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are united by faith. Therefore, all who believe enter this rest. We have a right relationship with God. We're restored to him through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this, in turn, means we have to reject this idea of some personal opinion gospel. Well, that, well, that works for you. And so I'm so glad that that works for you. But I found something that works for me and will it all be okay no no that doesn't work why because it's not humanity's position to be able to dictate to god what will save us we are the ones who have rebelled we are the ones who are in sin we are the ones who have alienated ourselves and in turn it is by god's grace that he provides for us a means of salvation and it's not up to our opinions whether we want to be saved this way or not. No, here is God's offer of salvation to us. And, and now we have to do something with that offer. We have to respond. And there's really only two responses. You either accept it or you reject it. You can, you can have all the opinions you want, but at the end of the day, you're either re receiving the gift of God's grace through the gospel, or you're rejecting that gift of grace. We're told, Jesus says himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many roads up the mountain to find God. 
All religions don't lead to the same place. Rather, what we're told by Jesus himself, Jesus says, I am the exclusive way. I am the exclusive truth, and I am the exclusive life. There is no other true gospel than the one we have received from God through his word, through Jesus Christ. Which brings me to number four, connecting this to everyday life. So how should we respond to these truths? Well, first of all, we should express gratitude for God's grace in allowing us to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. You see, God did not have to save anyone. He could be just and righteous and holy he could even be a God of mercy and grace in all of that without saving anyone. Yet his mercy and grace and justice even overflows to us in the provision of Jesus Christ. It is truly grace that he gives us this gospel. But then in turn, it's grace that we're able to hear the gospel. No one responds. No one responds with saving faith apart from hearing the gospel. Therefore, it's gracious that God would allow us to hear it. Uh, it's grace of God to allow us to read this text today. It's grace of God that I'm able to preach this text today and proclaim the gospel so that, so that I, with my own ears, might hear it and see the glorious good of it and so that you might hear it and see the glorious good of it. But in turn, it is gloriously gracious for the opportunity to believe the gospel today. And I seek to continue in this faith. As a, as a believer already, I, I see that God has been so gracious to let me hear it and to believe it. And I want to continue in it. I want to continue to hear it and bask in his glory. I want to continue to believe in the gospel and express my satisfaction with it. In fact, what should happen today is that no, no matter what occurs, I am filled to the brim with satisfaction because of the gospel that I've heard and believed. Now, no matter what happens today, if God did not withhold his own son, how will he not give us all things? And that, so that nothing, even death and, and disease, cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that should cause us to overwhelmingly overflow with gratitude. And yet I, I personally find my days often saturated with much less than gratitude, with often grumbling. Why is it this way? Why do I have to face this? Why do I struggle with this? And not recognize the glorious goodness of God in my life already and in your life already just by even hearing it. If you're not a believer today, just by hearing it, God has been gloriously good. And now his call to you is this, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. And believer, if you're, as you're listening to this today, bask in the glory of the gospel. Letter B, the second thing here, connecting to everyday life, repent of your past passivity or neglect in participating in the spread of the gospel. The church at Colossae started because 
of the faithful ministry of Epaphras going and sharing the gospel. And in turn, the church grew because not only was Epaphras then faithfully teaching and preaching the gospel, but then as people believed, what were they doing? They were sharing the gospel with others. In turn, Paul is a minister of the gospel as well, in service to the gospel, a servant of God, sharing this gospel. And the same thing is meant to be true of us. As we have heard and believed the gospel, now we're meant to be ministers of that gospel. We're meant to be evangelizing. We're meant to be spreading the gospel with the goal, with the aim to persuade people of this glorious good. Because without it, they are eternally damned. They are destined for an eternity in hell, separated from God because of their sin. And yet God has, has revealed to us this glorious gospel and enables us to share that gospel so that they might be saved and so that then God's name might be glorified. And, and that's the mission of our church. We do all that we do for God's glory. And if we're doing less than we know we should, we should repent of that. I can be very passive. Not looking for opportunities. Not pursuing opportunities. Not even see, seeking to create opportunities where I can share the gospel, but then in turn I can also neglect it. I can, I can have the opportunities and I can refuse to take them. I can refuse to share with people who my glorious Savior is. For that I should repent. Even when I don't think about it, how could I forget? How could that not be on my mind every minute of the day? Number three, or letter, letter C, contribute to the spread of the gospel. As you've seen in the past that maybe you have not, you have not been participating and you repent of that, what in turn should we do? Live in faith. Participate. Contribute to the spread of the gospel. How can we do that? Well, uh, first of all, you can pray for lost people. We, we have a list here at our church of, of people in our church who, who have relationships where they're, where they're praying for those people. Get involved in praying for lost people. They're, they're praying for opportunities to share. They're praying that they would see, see the glorious gospel as it's shared to them and that they would be converted. So pray for lost people. But then, in turn, look at your personal relationships. Who has God put you in contact with? Leverage those personal relationships for the spread of the gospel. I mean, it's for, for the name of God, his glory that you would do it. And it's for the good of those people. If we truly believe that, that not hearing the gospel means that they cannot put their faith in Jesus Christ, and, and therefore if their, their faith is not in Jesus Christ, they must pay an eternity for their sins then there's nothing more loving we can do in our personal relationships than share Jesus Christ. I mean, just consider, why does God have you in relationship with this person? If we understand God to be the sovereign God over all his creation, who is providentially moving all things according to his plan, then you're put in the place you are with the relationships you have for his glory. And so, as you ask yourself, why am I in this relationship? 
Definitely the gospel should play a prominent role in answering that question. In turn, um, leverage community outreach as well. Well, Why does God have you in your neighborhood, in in the area in which you live, in, in the work that you're in? in connection with all these people, in community, as you as you seek to work together, live together, play together. You're, you're involved in, in a sports team with yourself or your kids or whoever. Why are you in that community? Leverage that community for outreach. Use that as an opportunity to share the gospel. Look for ways to get involved. Ultimately, we need to get outside the church and outside the home. But definitely the gospel should be shared in the church and in the home. And I mean, that, that's, that's primary, true. But it cannot, it cannot stop there. If you think you have done all that's necessary as a minister of the gospel, just by sharing the gospel in your home, you have not done enough. You have misunderstood the call to ministry, the call to be a servant in service of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is meant to permeate everything we do, everywhere we are. And so we have to step outside the church. We have to step outside the home and minister to those around us. And it's difficult. In fact, in in Charles Spurgeon's lecture to my students, He says, it is ours to sow, even in stony places. Speaking of the sowing of the gospel, like the the parable that Jesus tells of the seed and the soils that I referred to last week. It is ours to sow, even in stony places, where no fruit rewards our toil. But still, we are bound to look for a harvest and mourn if it does not appear in due time. And it may be hard, but, but that's what we are called to do, to minister. And, and your contribution helps to create a culture of evangelism at Gospel Life Church. You know, it's, it's not just the responsibility of the pastor. It's not just the responsibility of a deacon. It's the responsibility of every Christian, every member of the church, every Christian. Again, in his Lecture to my students, he writes, Any Christian has a right to disseminate the gospel who has the ability to do so. And more, he not only has the right, but it is his duty so to do as long as he lives. The the propagation of the gospel is left not to a few, but to all the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the measure of grace entrusted to him by the Holy Spirit, Each man is bound to minister in his day and generation, both to the church and among unbelievers. Indeed, this question goes beyond men and even includes the whole of the other sex. Whether believers are male or female, they are all bound, when enabled by divine grace, to exert themselves to the utmost to extend the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is is all our effort. All of us contributing. And I like how he says it's, it's contributing as divine grace enables. And, and many of us have different gifts, and yet we all have an opportunity to take those gifts and bring them to bear in our relationships, in our community, so as to propagate the gospel. 
we all can contribute. Uh, maybe you don't feel like you're a terribly extroverted person. Well, there are many people who would love to just sit across from you with a coffee and, and talk one-on-one. On one. And often that is, that are, those are the opportunities where the gospel truly is, is able to be shared fully and people believe. Uh, may may and it's difficult in this time. So maybe you have to do it like over social media or something, one on one on one of uh, FaceTime or something like that. But take up these opportunities to share the gospel. I'm not asking you to stand on the street corner and preach because that's not what the text says. But rather, it says each of us should be contributing to the spreading of the gospel. And turn one last quote from Spurgeon: Let the people see how glad and confident. The gospel has made you, and it will go far to make them long to participate in its blessed influence. And he's not telling you to fake it, but if we truly understand the gospel and what it's done for us, back to letter A of here, connecting it really life, expressing gratitude, it should, it should convey this gladness and this confidence in the gospel. My hope goes beyond this life, and my joy goes beyond this life. That's the hope of the gospel, the hope that you heard speaking to the Colossian church, but that we heard as well, which has been proclaimed in all creation so that we can have the confidence that 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 gospel is meant to be shared with anyone, anywhere. And of which I, Paul, became a minister, and in turn, each one of us as God's people have been called as servants for his gospel. Let us, let us contribute to the spreading of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we see fruit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the grace that has been shown to us in the gospel. Lord, we do not deserve it. Not one bit. And yet you have shown it to us. And in turn, now that you have called us by your gospel to turn from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ, and now that we continue by faith to believe in it steadfast and stable, rooted and grounded in it, now may we grow in our contribution to its spread. May we be people who evangelize the lost, that we give out the gospel for your glory. Lord, we pray that through it, your son might be exalted and people might be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.